If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. They clearly like each other, but I think once you get to the haunted house, you know, you're willing to make a few sacrifices. This is anecdotal, and we have not yet looked at any of the data, but it's also just really interesting to see how, for example, I was there one evening for a pilot with one other member of Caltech, and people kept asking us to join their group. What do you find scary? How do you react to that fear? Those questions are the focus of a unique research study currently being conducted by Caltech social scientists. But their study didn't take place in a laboratory. Instead, during the 2019 Halloween season, Caltech partnered with Orange County Extreme Haunt The 17th Door to study fear reactions among haunt patrons. Caltech Research Technician Assistant Virginia Federigo is currently working on the study. Virginia, how did Caltech come to decide to do a study on fear at the Extreme Haunt, the 17th door? Well, fear is something that has been of great interest to a couple of scientists at Caltech, notably Professor Dean Mobbs within the Department of Humanities and Social Sciences, who has done quite a few studies on fear. But when you're operating in a university environment, there's always kind of a built-in limit to the amount of fear and the ways you can induce fear. So if you're doing it in a university lab, you're not necessarily able to create the intensity and the completeness of an experience that somebody like the owners of a haunted house could create. So we decided that if we're interested in studying fear, why should we try to create something that, you know, at best could be a small-scale replica when we could go to the real thing and have people whose job and whose passion it is to create fear, create the environment for us. Take me back in your imagination, would you, to your first day at the 17th door and tell me about what was going on when you conducted the experiment? So the first day at the 17th door, we had a meeting with the owners to kind of get to know them, get a feel if this would be a good fit. And it was, it was an incredible and impressive experience. You know, L.A. is known for the theatrics that it can produce, but when we walked in, we saw that this was really a meticulously done operation, and they'd really thought through their design and the costumes and everything, so it definitely left quite a lasting impression on me when I, when I got there. I knew I was dealing with people who really knew what they were doing and really loved the craft behind it all. They're highly talented creatives. I've had the pleasure of talking with a couple of the folks from behind the scenes. Take me forward in your imagination now then, please, to the first night and tell me about what you were doing, how you conducted your study. So the first night of the experiment itself, after we had done an internal pilot to make sure all systems were go, we had a table set up kind of outside the haunted house within their enclosure, but outside, obviously, of the main attraction. And we would have a team of about four to six, depending on the night. And we would approach guests who had come to the haunted house and who had already signed who had already purchased their tickets, already signed the house's waiver, and we'd approach them with information about the study, see if they were interested, and if so, we got them all suited up and ready to go with the device and sent them on their way. So that was the brief overview. What did the device do? So the device we're using is an Empatica E4. Empatica is the company is based in Italy. The way we describe it to people we're 
recruiting is a research grade Fitbit, which is more or less it's more or less what it is. So it records measures like heart rate, just like your Fitbit does, but it also records more sophisticated measures like your temperature and most importantly for what we were interested in, something called your electrodermal activity, which is basically how much you sweat. And when recorded from the fingertips, it actually provides a pretty good and high temporal resolution measure of your arousal, which in situations like this can be used as a good proxy for your level of fear, anxiety, et cetera. As people went through the experience at the 17th door, what were you seeing? What kinds of fear levels were they getting? What scared them the most? And what really was not as scary? So the way these devices record is actually offline. So while our guests are going through the 17th door, we do not have any sort of live viewing of their measures. And we actually just wrapped the study this past weekend, so we've not done any kind of data analysis yet. So we don't have any idea of what parts of the attraction elicited the most fear, but that would be one of the things we'd be interested in looking at down the road. Let's look at a timeline on that one. When might you know the results of this, and what are some of the other goals? Well, science is a finicky business when it comes to timelines, so it's hard to nail anything down particularly. But now that we've got the data, I think in the coming weeks we should be able to start going through it. But, you know, with any sort of large-scale data collection, more than half the work is just kind of cleaning up the data, getting into a format where you can really dig into it and ask the right questions. So I think before we can say anything for sure, it'll be it'll be a couple months out. Yeah, right now we just have to kind of take inventory of what we have and make sure that all the data is ready to go before we can start any true question answering. What's really fun about you is looking online, I see that you describe yourself as an aspiring behavioral scientist and that you've had some studies in the past about perception and about decision-making. Yes. I'll be interested to see what you see with your findings about perception and decision-making once you get results and how this relates to fear. What do we do when we're scared that maybe we might not do otherwise? Oh, yeah, I definitely agree. I have a bit of an eclectic past in terms of research interests. So my work in visual perception is actually, it's mostly distinct from what I do now, but it does, it is nice to have kind of an interdisciplinary background because so many of these questions that decision scientists are trying to answer can really be looked at from a multitude of angles and from a multitude of perspectives. So having, you know, your fingers in more than one pie can be kind of helpful for learning how to ask the right questions and figuring out where you should be looking. Virginia had high praise for the 17th door haunt experience. I just want to say again that this is a truly amazingly done haunt. They approach this from a scientific point of view with, you know, timings very carefully well done. And it's a fascinating experience, even if people are not, you know, traditional haunted house people. Just being in these kinds of environments is definitely educational and interesting. And, you know, maybe everyone should head out to a haunted house next Halloween, take a look, see what they find. They approach this from a scientific point of view. What do you mean by that? Just that the people who run the house are very, they're immaculate with how they do things in the sense that the timings of the scares and of the rooms and of the layout is just very predefined and is kept to, I think, within, you know, a very small margin of error. So they do this with precision and they do this with thought. It's not just you know, the idea of a guy with a bed sheet over his head screaming boo at you. It's really done immaculately, and which also helped us because the timings mean that every run is, you know, more or less the same, which will help us with data analysis down the road.
knowing that every person who walks through pretty much experienced the same experience. I'm curious to see where this project will go. We just finished collections, so now onto the fun part of looking around. I see online that one of the goals here was to see how people can manage fear and anxiety on a normal basis in extreme situations once you get your study back. What were some of the other goals of this particular study? Well, kind of understanding fear and anxiety in day-to-day life, I think, would be kind of a long-term goal of this line of research. One of the more immediate goals and immediate things we're interested in is actually something we call fear diffusion or social buffering, which is basically, let me step back and kind of explain how the house is organized. So if I show up, let's say, with two of my friends, we will not be the only ones normally to go through the haunted house. They'll group us maybe with another couple or another group of friends to create groups varying in size from about three to eight. So there's research that shows how we experience fear actually varies with the group size we're in. So if we have more people, in a very animalistic sense, we feel safer, we feel protected by the herd. So one of the things we're actually interested in looking at is kind of comparing these objective measures of fear that we're recording with the empaticas, comparing them both with the subjective ratings that they give and with information about the group they were in. So, for example, maybe our people who are put in a larger group across the board exhibiting less objective measures of fear than people who are put in smaller groups are people who, you know, feel that they have strong protectors around them more, that they experience less fear than people who feel that their group is full of, quote unquote, weaker in the animalistic sense people. Wow, I did not know that. That is interesting. Yeah, that's one of the most immediate goals of the study is kind of understanding the social dynamics of fear and how people around us can either enhance or kind of take away from our fearful experience. I'm curious, and you might not know this yet without the results back from the study, but I'll ask anyway. A lot of our listeners are makers and educators, and they'll have people, the teachers especially, will have students who are going to be experiencing something for the first time. There's anxiety around there. Besides the strong mentality of having the herd around you that you just mentioned, what might these people take away to help students overcome fear? I mean, at this point, I can really only give you, I think, anecdotal evidence from our time spent at the haunted house. So obviously take this with a grain of salt since we have not done a full data analysis yet. But one thing you notice a lot just as you're there waiting and interacting with guests as they arrive and are getting ready for the study is that a lot of people want to have more people around them. They're happy when, let's say, their small group of three friends get joined to a larger group. Or they're happy when they realize that, you know, okay, well, there's four of us. I think, I think you guys can keep me safe. You go first and, you know, I'll stay in the back. So I think just from a very anecdotal point of view, there's definitely, I think, there's safety in numbers and people really do seem to feel more comfortable going through the experience when they're with people, both people that they know and trust, such as, you know, friends or family. And honestly, they also seem to take comfort from strangers. So I think just knowing that you're not alone in whatever anxiety evoking experience you're about to go through can be can be helpful. This could also be useful to anybody who's a maker and let's say they're creating a Halloween experience next year because the flip side of that is if somebody wants an extreme haunt experience, isolation sounds like it would be a very scary thing. Yes. I some parts of the seventeenth door do purposefully isolate you from your group members, which, you know, on their part is a brilliant thing because 
if you suddenly find yourself away from the five people you've been walking with the whole time, it definitely does put you on edge and you kind of lose that sense of, well, now, you know, I'm not safe anymore because I don't have these people around me protecting me. Did you get to walk through the 17th door prior to the study? Uh, No, I personally did not, although our PI, so the head of my lab, he did, and one other Caltech team member also did, but I personally did not. What did they find scared them, and what did they find was not quite as scary as they might have thought? Well, I don't know. I haven't spoken to them necessarily about individual experiences, because I think when you're going in such an immersive haunt, everything kind of blends together into one experience, and further than that, it depends on what your particular phobias are. So if you're scared of bugs, maybe you find something terrifying. Whereas, you know, if you are used to working outside, maybe you think the bug scare is not that bad. So I think it depends a lot on kind of where you're coming from personally. And yeah, I I haven't spoken to them particularly about what they thought was the scariest or least scary. Although the kind of general review is it's very well done and people are, their adrenaline is pumping when they get out. What did you, as an aspiring behavioral scientist, find the most fun and the most interesting while you were working on this particular research study? I think for me, it really was observing kind of like the social dynamics of people who go there. So like I said, again, this is anecdotal and we have not yet looked at any of the data, but it's also just really interesting to see how, for example, I was there one evening for a pilot with one other member of Caltech and people kept asking us to join their group because people just want, like, the familiarity of you're standing in line next to me. People would turn to us and be like, have you been here before? Can you guys come in our group? And it was just everyone seemed very, very eager to make social bonds because I think they wanted that sense of familiarity and protection. And also seeing groups where people, you know, try to sacrifice, quote-unquote, the strongest or the biggest or the tallest member of the group saying, you go first. I thought that was also pretty funny. <laughs> that really is. I'm envisioning people putting this big six-foot person in front of them as they go into the haunted house. More or less, because you go in a single-file line, so they're like, come on, you go first. And it was just, I mean, you know, they're groups of friends. They're, they clearly like each other, but I think once you get to the haunted house, you know, you're willing to make a few sacrifices for your friends. And that single-file line harks right back to what we were just saying about isolation, because you can have the illusion a single-file line is just you. There's just the person in front of you and you, and that's it. Yeah, exactly. You can't hold on to the arm of the person next to you. You're, you're on your own. But like I said, they really, the people of the 17th door really do a fantastic job with the whole design. Everything is very well thought out. What's next? You've talked about how you'll be publishing on a kind of a flexible timeline, but after you do a study on fear at Orange County's most extreme haunt. (laughs) Where do you go from here? That's a very good question. I think this project will definitely keep us busy for a little while because, like I said, we still have a whole lot of, we have a whole lot of work doing a whole lot of analysis. And I think that we're also very lucky to have collected such a rich data set that can give us so many opportunities to explore and answer questions that we have. But I don't know. I don't know what's on the horizon after this. You're right. It's going to be hard to find something equally as terrifying as the 17th door. So we just gave ourselves a pretty high bar. But it's fun to do this kind of stuff. It's exciting. People are going to want to know when you do publish your findings where they can see these. So that's a whole that's a whole other discussion within the realm of academia. Obviously, it'll be targeted towards a scientific journal, most likely a psychology genre. But where it will be published is not something that we know ahead of time. So... People can stay tuned, and as soon as we know, I think we'll also, you know, be reaching out to the 17th door, as I think they'll also be very interested to know 
what we found and what got published from it. Would you give me an update on that when you know for sure? I'd love to know. Yeah, of course. It's a little ways out. Like I said, we just finished data collection, but this is a project that the whole team is really excited about, and we're definitely going to you know, proceed at a steady pace as much as we can. And finally, Virginia, if people could only get one thing from you at this point about innovation, creativity, and making a difference, what would you like them to take away from you and your work? I think at least for people who, maybe this is more for the research realm, but also in general, that it's, it's fun to be weird. It's fun to ask questions and think of methodologies and do things unconventionally. I mean, this study is certainly not something that you'll find classically reproduced in, you know, hundreds of journals. This is definitely something out of the box and different. But it's also, it, that's also what makes it exciting. And it also gives us the ability and the opportunity to learn so much from a setting that, like I said before, isn't normally found in universities. So if anything, I think the moral of this rather quirky science study is that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to do things unconventionally because oftentimes that's where you can learn the most and have the greatest rewards. Virginia, thank you for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for your call. You and I have been listening to Virginia Fedrigo, Caltech Research Technician Assistant. As Virginia mentioned, Caltech is currently analyzing the data they collected at the 17th door, and they'll be publishing the results of their study on FEAR in the future. Meanwhile, for updates and information about Caltech's research activities, check out caltech.edu. That's caltech.edu. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.